So reading from Isaiah 9, beginning at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's just um, pray for Tim as he brings us this word and pray for ourselves as well. God, we thank you for this incredible prophecy. And Lord, even though these words are familiar to us, may there be a fresh revelation of who you are. Open our eyes and our hearts afresh to you, Lord Jesus, King of all kings. And Lord, we just pray for Tim. Thank you so much for him, for his giftedness in teaching and his love for your word. Pray, God, that you would minister to him as he ministers to us this morning. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, I need to make an apology. We're about to listen to some two pieces of music, I hope, if it, if it works. And... Uh, I need to apologise to Sean, because Sean, um, as you know, is, is an expert in all things techie, and uh, I was trying to work out how to get one of these pieces of music onto something that could play on this kind of thing, which is far beyond my skills. And I've done it in a way which apparently may mean that listening to it on the church speakers will sound like eating ice cream with mustard, I think was the description that Sean used. Um, so if it sounds awful, entirely my fault, and uh, there we go. Um, I want to kick this, this off, as strange as it may sound, by listening to, to just about 30 or 40 seconds of two different songs. Um, I'm guessing that here at the nine o'clock, one may be unfamiliar and the second more familiar, but I don't want to prejudge. Okay? All right? So we'll see. Okay? Do you know the songs? And, uh, and, and for a bonus point, what, what is the connection between them? 
Here we go. Are they going to play? Thank you. I mean, we, I probably could just finish there. We just listen to Handel's Messiah for the next 20 minutes. That would probably be better than my sermon, to be quite honest. But um, there we go. Two songs, quite different. Uh, one called Crown by Stormzy, who is uh, a British rapper from London. Um, and the second, uh, one of the uh, bits of Handel's Messiah, um, which obviously was you know, from take, taken from Isaiah 9, which we've just had read beautifully by Charmian. Um, and I don't think it's possible to have listened to the Messiah, that bit of the Messiah, and then not, every time you turn to Isaiah 9, start going, and the government shall be upon um, So what is the connection, you ask, between those two pieces of music? And arguably, some might suggest very little. Uh, I think, uh, if you can come with me on this, that the connection between those two pieces of music, at least in my head, is our human need for a forever king. Our human need for a forever king. And if you like, Stormzy's song sets up the problem to which Handel's Messiah, or more specifically Isaiah 9, is the answer. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, unto us a child is born. Um, In 732 BC, long time ago, around the time of this prophecy in Isaiah 9, there was an Assyrian king who threatened to invade the northern kingdom of Israel, a ruler from a power-hungry state grabbing a bit more land for himself. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And this prophecy was at least initially for those walking in that kind of darkness. On those walking in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. That was the kind of darkness over the land. Darkness, of course, our Ukrainian friends know all too well. The darkness of the abuse of power history is littered with uh, leaders who have fallen foul of Lord Acton's adage, or at least one attributed to him, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Whether you're on the right or the left, uh, even those we celebrate as great leaders, when we get to know a bit more about them, they're less great than they first seem. Um, I won't mention, well... People like Churchill, Napoleon, even Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela. We get to know a bit more about them. They've done amazing things and yet not quite as shiny and squeaky clean as we might like them to be. Uh, Christian leaders too fail time and time again, often sadly publicly. What we discover when we look at human leaders of all sorts and all kinds, all over the world and throughout history, is heavy as the head that wears the crown. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Or as Shakespeare, I think Stormzy was borrowing from Shakespeare, Henry IV, uneasy is the head that wears the crown. We seem humanly unable to bear the responsibility that comes. There's a tension then in us as human beings. We we kind of instinctively want and need and look to human leaders. And again, we saw that in 1 Samuel 8 a few weeks ago. As the Israelites demanded a king, just like all the other nations, they wanted a human leader. And that is something, actually, that I think still rings true for us today. We, we want human leaders. We see it in the way people all over the world flock to certain types of leaders. Donald Trump has had, and probably still has, half of America backing him. He might run for 2024. That would be fun. Um, the late Queen Elizabeth was an enduring symbol of leadership in our country and in the world and our country's kind of lingering slightly uneasy love for the royal family maybe hints at that need for a leader a king a queen someone we kind of is our figurehead that we look to 
Um, I wonder too if, if perhaps our modern day obsession with kind of celebrity culture um, or influencers on TikTok or whatever it might be um, is a similar thing. We want to follow. We seem wired for a forever king. And yet the tension, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, it's a heavy responsibility and the higher the office, the heavier the crown. And so we find, as I've said, the crown is ultimately too kind of heavy for humans to bear. Good leaders, few and far between. And actually, even when we find a good leader, they don't last forever. U.S. president, you could be the best U.S. president in the world, eight years and you're out. Um, I remember uh, one of our kids a few years ago at primary school had Miss Brown as her teacher. And she was great. What a class teacher she was. We wished that she would be their class teacher forever. And then she moved into year three. That's how it works with human leaders. And of course, even the very best, sadly, die. Human leaders are finite. Heavy is the crown that wears the head and finite is the head. Sorry, heavy is... I've only had one coffee. Heavy is the head that wears the crown and finite is the head. Human, your human head. Um, okay. That's the kind of, that's how I want to look at Isaiah 9. And you've probably heard Isaiah 9 a gazillion times. And you'll hear it again, uh, maybe tonight. I can't remember if it's in the service or not. It's a familiar passage, isn't it? And it's a wonderful passage. And it's familiar for good reason. It's read every Christmas and sometimes in between. If you've heard it a gazillion times before, hear it again now with that idea in mind. This idea of a forever king. Let me just remind you of that most famous bit. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And listen to this. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Do you see it? Can you see why this is a light in the darkness? To the tribes of northern Israel in 732, facing the threat of the Assyrian invasion, Isaiah prophesies a forever king who will rule with justice and righteousness. Soldier's kit will be as fuel for the fire. We won't need it anymore. What a light in the darkness to those people. To the people of Ukraine today facing invasion from Russia, Isaiah promises a forever king who will bring unending peace. Not just five or ten years of stability, but unending peace forever. And he'll bring about justice. What a light in the darkness is this prophecy. To 21st century people in Bath, that's us by the way, he says there is a king, a leader, an influencer who you don't have to impress He comes to you as a pure gift, a baby given to us. He's a leader who cares about justice. He's a king who cares about righteousness, justice. I don't know if you've noticed, but justice can so easily become, maybe particularly at the moment, you know, this group's right and that group's wrong. You're either in the right group or the wrong group. You know, if you don't agree with me, you're on the wrong side of justice or the wrong side of history. But this is a king of justice and righteousness. He cares about justice, but not just about justice issues, but about how people are treated. This promise of a king is a radically different kind of politics, if you like. It's a new and it's a better government. 
It's an end to all the stuff that we hear about endlessly in the media about our government. Why? Well, because human leaders fail. This is a king of justice and righteousness. And crucially, he's a king forever. He won't fall. He won't let us down. And he's in it for good, not a limited time in office, not limited by death, but a king forever. What a light in the darkness even today. I just want to pause there. I've not intended on including this, but this idea of a forever king not being limited by death, I think, is absolutely massive. Even this morning, I've heard of two untimely deaths. Death rules our world, and yet this is a forever king who is not ruled by death but rules over it, has defeated it. He's the forever king. Maybe there are some... I don't know, maybe not here, this, here right now, but maybe these are people, we might have friends or family in this position, something, I don't want a king. Actually, maybe some of us think that as well. I don't want a king. I'm in control of my life, and a king, especially a God king, is going to stifle my freedom and inhibit my enjoyment of life. Perhaps some of us feel like that, and no others that might do. Well, this is not a king who rules with an iron fist, This is a king who will carry the government on his shoulders and he also offers to carry you. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble of heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's a king who invites the weary. He's a ruler who lifts the downtrodden and he says, let me carry that for you. He's a father who bends down to pick up the vulnerable little child. He's a wise friend, counsellor, who sits down to listen. Yes, he's the mighty God, but he comes as a baby. Imagine that. God in a baby. Imagine what sort of king would reduce himself to such impotence and helplessness. That is a king that I can follow. That is a king, in fact, who draws me in by his kindness. Um, did you see the picture from the England game last week? Sorry to bring that up. The picture of um, Jude Bellingham and Harry Kane. So if anyone doesn't follow football, Harry Kane blasted a penalty over the bar. Absolute nightmare if you're an England fan. And he's got his head in his hands. Harry Kane, scorer of 53 international goals, leading top goal scorer for England of all time. 80th appearance for England. He's there with his head in his hands. And Jude Bellingham, age 19 in his only 22nd cap, I think, for England, rushes right after Kane misses the penalty. He rushes towards Harry Kane. He puts his hand on the nape of his neck in that very kind of parental way, and he just holds him. And there's a beautiful picture of Bellingham doing that with Kane. Um, And I think as we, if, if you've seen that picture, or if you can perhaps bring it to mind as I try and describe it badly, that is a picture of this kind of king. This is the kind of king who, who, when we, if you like, have blasted in life the penalty over the bar, we've just made a massive mistake. He rushes towards us in kindness. And he lifts our head. And he holds us. He says, I'm the forever king. I'm with you. The lovely picture. Uh, look it up. So if you like being in charge, you don't fancy a king over you. This one's different. He's the one we're wired for. He's the forever king we need. So who is he? I think you all know who he is. 
But let me give you some more hints. Who is he? He is the one that we are told in Matthew 4, verse 13, if you want to look it up later. Uh, by the way, we didn't have verse 1 read of Isaiah 9. It talks about the fact that this is going to come to the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. A bit of a random place that we don't really know about. Well, in Matthew 4, verse 13, Jesus goes to Naphtali and Zebulun and Galilee of the Gentiles. Jesus goes there deliberately to fulfill to fulfill this prophecy of Isaiah 9. He's the one who called himself the light of the world, a light shining in the darkness. He's the one who was born in the town and line of King David. And from day one was worshipped not simply as a king, but as the mighty God. He's the one who was given the name Jesus. Jesus meaning God saves because he will save his people from their sins. His death on a cross brought peace with God and made possible peace on earth. He's the one who treated women and lepers and prostitutes and outsiders with love, but so much love that they changed and lived for him and for others, not for themselves. He's the one who taught with unparalleled authority, fulfilling the law of God. He's the one who, having died the worst of deaths, was raised to life and ascended into heaven and reigns with all authority at the right hand of God. He's Jesus. And if you're in darkness now, Simply go to him. If you are not coping with life now, we'll cry out to him. If you feel unloved or unlovable, tell him. A couple of words for two different types of people as I close. There may be some who have not yet started following that forever king. I was chatting to an artist just last night actually who wouldn't have described himself as a Christian. But he described, I think, what many who are not yet Christians feel, whatever they happen to believe rationally. He said, actually, all art, he's a geometric artist, that's interesting. I said to him, what does that mean? And he said, well, it's all about, it's all about searching for something that's higher. That's what all art is trying to express. Something beyond this. And we're trying to express that in a beautiful way trying to make sense of life and trying to make sense, trying to kind of hope that there's something more than just this. I thought it was a very interesting observation from someone who wouldn't call themselves a Christian. And I wonder if he speaks for some who have not yet started following Jesus. I think Jesus is the answer to art and to that artistic endeavor. I think Jesus is the answer to that desire, that need for something more. We need a forever king. And maybe today is the time to start following him. Second group of people, uh, probably bigger, followers of Jesus who are members of this church. For us, two things briefly. I hope this morning, I've kind of, it's been a funny sermon, hasn't it? Not funny as in laughing at, hopefully, but um, not, I haven't preached how I would normally preach. I don't really know why. The sermon just didn't kind of come as it normally does. But I hope that what I've tried to do is lift up Jesus to you. And for you this morning to be warmed by this forever king to see something afresh of Jesus. I hope that if that stirred you, that your heart is stirred to worship. Not just to worshipping in song, but to worship with a whole-hearted life, following this forever king, knowing that he makes sense of your very being. And second, and this may be a word for some of us, just because we come to Jesus, maybe some of us came to Jesus years and years ago, some of us maybe more recently, 
When we come to Jesus, it does not mean that we are forever walking in lovely sunshine for the rest of our life. You know, the light has dawned in the darkness and therefore come to Jesus and light will be sunny and shiny all the time. That's not what it means. And, and that can be hard. We must stick with Jesus in it, even though life can continue to be hard and dark. It's only because he's the forever king the one who reigns forever, the one who defeated death, that our hope is not in this life, but in the life to come. There will be a day when every tear is wiped, when all darkness will be vanquished, when all the injustices will be made right, when the world will finally be as it should be. So keep going with him today. And when you are reminded this coming week of the God in a manger, the forever king born as a baby, the everlasting father feeding from a young mother, when you're reminded of that, let it comfort you that if God was willing to do that, well, he's got the rest of your life in hand as well. Amen.